Research led by Nielsen Norman Group says that internet readers pay close attention to information-carrying images. That means when the images are relevant, readers spend more time looking at the images than they do reading at the text on a page. That is just one insight on how useful and important it is to implement visual content in marketing and communication strategy. Do you want to find more on how to start and what's more promising here? I invite you to listen to this episode of Brand Talks podcast. I'm your host, Magda Urbaniak, and my guest today is wonderful Donna Moritz. Hi, Donna. How are you doing today? I'm very well. Thanks for having me on your podcast. It's great. It's my pleasure. It's totally my pleasure. Uh, happy we can talk today about visual content. But before we go there, uh, I would like to ask you, what is the best thing that you did last week for your business? Oh, that's an interesting one. You know what? Um, often I would say that, you know, I'm working on some kind of project. But uh, in the last week, I kind of pulled back a bit and took some time to look at a lot of survey questions we'd asked the audience and I'm actually in the middle of doing a little bit of a pivot again. I did one uh, you know, early on with my blog where we pivoted to focus on visual content and uh, I'm just seeing a couple of audiences pop up that I'm quite involved with, uh, especially the tourism industry. So we're just uh, looking at how we can tweak our content to really cater cater for for that so I, I really think that's important to do occasionally just to really step back and look at you know what's resonating with your audience and what's lighting you up and that's what I've been kind of doing the last week so nothing really major as far as projects uh, there's things I need to be working on but I think that that's been really important yeah still something that uh, has to be done right yeah yeah just even you know every year or so every year or two just to take stock and see where there's sometimes these little pockets of audiences that you might not be recognizing and it can be really powerful if you tap into them. Okay, cool. I totally understand it. Um, so um, talking more about visual content, uh, some people may think that visual content is all about pictures, but uh, it's not even a small piece of it. So what kind of, what kind type of content do we recognize? Oh, I totally agree. Definitely not... Uh, not just one it's definitely not just pictures you know it's it's not by a long shot so i think images are obvious though and uh we're very tuned to visual images that we're you know uh hardwired to connect emotionally with images from the moment we're born and it does only take about i think the stat i've been sharing lately is it's 13 milliseconds to process an image so it really is very fast you know we can catch attention and get people to take action with visual content if it's just a still image faster than text or audio or video but uh there's so many types of visual content and and video is huge obviously especially short video at the moment uh we're grazing a lot of visual content on our news feeds uh, facebook's pushing video um so you know that video content is really important also there's infographics we've got slide share we've got live video actually if you go down a, a video uh rabbit hole you'll end up with live video and virtual reality and and drone video and short video and all sorts of video so video is definitely huge uh there's also uh gifs animated gifs 
that are quite popular. We use them to uh, to communicate in messaging. We use them in emails. We use them, uh, you know, on web pages. All sorts of ways to use those. And uh, and then you sort of get into those other types of visual content, like like video that's kind of layered in stories. So Snapchat and Instagram stories is another type of visual content that we're using. So I think I've just really touched a little bit on them there. There's many, many different types of visual content. I could probably go on for a long time, but you're definitely right. It's a little bit more than just pictures these days. Yeah, and uh, especially when you mentioned those, uh, we can see how many types of content do we have. And uh, you mentioned about GIFs also, and I'm wondering what's your opinion on that? Because some people say that GIFs are immature and we should skip yeah. those in our yeah. communication. Uh, so I'm curious, what do you think about it? Interesting question. I actually like them, but I think we need to use them sparingly. So if, if you've got them coming through your feed all the time, it can be really quite, uh, it's, it's a bit full on. But I think use them sparingly. Like if you're going to write a blog post and put a GIF in it, and I, and I know there's contra- controversy over whether we say GIF or GIF, so I'm just going to say GIF. Um, but uh, I, I think, um, you know, if you're coming across a blog post and there's only one there then it can be kind of fun and interesting and a bit humorous if you've got some humor to add that can be great but if you're adding like five in a blog post it can just be a bit over the top so I recommend using them to uh, add some some humor or just some context and sometimes they can say what words can't like you can find a really effective one that really you know captures everything you want to say just in this one image I think they can be quite powerful but, but definitely don't overuse them for sure. Yeah, I find and yeah. another tip I've got uh, lately, we'll probably get into it, is that they can be very good for engagement. So sometimes if you just do a post and ask people to respond in in that kind of visual content, it could be quite just a fun, engaging kind of post. So that they do have their place for sure. It is also interesting because uh, you mentioned that uh, how we, how often we should use GIFs in our blog post, but also I see some people use GIFs in uh, professional emails, let's say. And from yeah. my perspective, it's cool uh, because yeah, they yeah. also have, you know, they are link, uh, always linked to the content that are sent. So it's okay for me, but uh, I'm, I'm wondering if you, if you would be the first person to send gifts to someone or you rather not use them in professional communication. I actually... I actually really like them as long as there's only sort of one, maybe two max. I think, I think that uh, from my personal experience, if I include them, I don't remember to do it all the time and I probably do it sparingly. But when I do, I get good engagement from emails. People <laughs> message me back. Uh, but from, from as, a, as a user, I think that they're kind of fun and, and I think that they humanize a brand a little bit and if you can choose gifts that are really, really funny or really uh, explain a point really well or hit home the emotion of it, I think that it kind of, to me, it kind of makes me connect with a brand because I think, oh, hey, they've got that, 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 they just nailed that with that. Um, so I think if, if, you know, if you put a little thought into them, they can be great. But if you're just sort of throwing one up for the, the sake of it, it can kind of backfire. So Uh, yeah, I, I like it as far as a brand being a little bit more approachable and, and human. But yeah, again, don't overuse them. Yeah, I I agree with you. And I think it's a really good insight to uh, keep one or two maximum. Um, yep. So uh, 
But talking about the research that uh, was led by the Content Marketing Institute, uh, it says that top priority for marketers in B2C communication is to create an engaging content. Uh, and on yep. third place is need to create visual content. Uh, and I think it's something, you know, they, they have many things in common. So uh, do you agree that visual content engaged uh, and out is the most? Sure. I think... Uh I, I agree with you. They basically go together hand in hand, I think. Um, and I think, you know, every person is different and you have to really consider your audience. And some people prefer text and some people prefer audio. So where the Content Marketing Institute was saying that, you know, engaging content is the most important thing, I think they're right. You know, like it could be that for you, a podcast is really important. However, that doesn't mean you don't um, have, doesn't mean you have to ignore visual content. You can use visual content with your promotional material around that content, you know, to engage people to to actually see the podcast in the first place. You can have visuals on your blog. You can have visuals on your social media posts. I think that, you know, I think visuals work well with all kinds of content and, and you really need to come back to, uh, you know, what you're comfortable creating and what your audience is responding to. Uh, you know, it could be, is it a video? Is it blog? Is it podcast? Is it is it very visual based and and if you can find the match between the two then do more of that but i think no matter what type of core content you have um you know that's your blog or your podcast or video i think uh visuals come into it in many many ways if it's not in that core content then it's definitely in uh social media promotional content and and all the content you create around it i hope that makes sense <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely it does. Um, and I'm also thinking because you're saying about creating the content uh, and I think how we can create content better. I mean, uh, what are tools that can help us with creating that content if we do not have separate uh, team to create such or we, we do not have any agency that we can just uh, send this task and we'd like to do it on our own? Oh sure. There's there's a few. Well, I've got hundreds that I love, but I've I've narrowed I'll narrow it down to a few. I think for for small businesses or brands that don't have a big um, budget for graphics or they don't have a graphic design team, if you look at it in terms of two types of um, tools can, to start with, you've got your your visual tools like your your still image tools, creating visuals, and also the tools that create video. So. I've got a, a few here just to list and I'll give you the links for them. But uh, So Canva obviously is a great tool for do-it-yourself visuals. Um, it's a really popular tool. They have great templates and, um, you know, there's lots of um, functions that you can do with it. You can resize your images and, and uh, you know, use stock photos from in, within their tool. So it's canva.com. Another one that I love, uh, both of these are actually Australian, which is funnily, funny. <laughs> I sound a little biased. Um the second one I love is easel, easel.com. So it's E-A-S-I-L.com. And they are a tool that allows you to create graphics again. But I really like them because they've just got really fresh fonts and templates. Uh, they have great content and templates for uh, lifestyle, um, hospitality, entertainment kind of industries. But they're great for bloggers and, and entrepreneurs as well. Uh, they have resizing facility in their tool as well. Um, really great stock images. They actually have their own series of stock images that you can use and um, things like um, a color palette 
picker and all sorts of really funky functions. Um, I really like, I really like this. I caught, they caught my attention with some of their templates flying around the web and I was like, where are these from? So that's a great tool. The other one is Adobe Spark. Uh, they have, it, it's really great on mobile. You can also use it on desktop, but I think it really shines on mobile because it resizes images immediately. You can animate your images as well. So it's a very, very cool tool and they're doing some really fun things with it. And the other two apps I like for the phone, and I think this, I think both are available on Android and iPhone, is Over. Um, I think it's madewithover.com, O-V-E-R, and PicMonkey. PicMonkey's been around for years as a as a visual tool. It's a great tool, but it's great for photo editing. So they are on mobile as well now, and it's a really just a fun, easy to use app. So so there's five tools: Canva, Easel. Adobe Spark, Over, and PicMonkey. I think they're all really user-friendly, so just really have a play with them and see what you think. Um, and uh, I can tell you some video tools. And I, I think at the moment we're really lucky. We've got some amazing visit video tools available. So the first one is Animoto, A-N-I-M-O-T-O. And they have a marketing visual builder that allows you to create these awesome videos of really cool templates. You can create very professional-looking, uh, funky videos to put on Facebook or Instagram in literally, you know, minutes if you want to. It's very, very easy to use. Um, and then uh, Animatron Wave is another one. So it's just Wave, W-A-V-E. Uh, and they have the ability to add video they've got stock videos in their tools so you can add you can add your own video but also add stock video as well both of those tools allow you to uh, have both photos and video in in your final video uh, and then another little quick app is ripple ripl.com and that's a great one for just creating little slideshow videos so there'd be a few of my picks i, I could go on for days but i think they're probably some great ones to get started we are definitely lucky to have so many tools that can speed up our work. Uh, oh so, yes, yeah. I I I knew I know some of uh, those that you mentioned, but I'll definitely need to try new ones. Really cool. That, yes, uh, I'll give I'll give you the links for them all for your show notes. But I think I think the big thing for me has been you know like it's really only what five or so years since we really only had tools like PicMonkey. Then Canva came along and a lot of these tools, Animoto's been around for years, but their their new version to make these marketing videos is just amazing. Uh, I think it, you know, I'm sure you've noticed in the last few years, it's just really changed the ability, um, changed the, the possibilities for small business to create video without spending a fortune. Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, and I think the only thing that separates us from uh, make it happen is, is the will uh, and maybe <laughs> some time uh, yes. to, yeah, to, to create because we have so many. And what's more, some of those, those tools are for free, uh, which is yes. even better. So there's no excuse to not use them uh, to, to, to create a visual content. So, yeah, thanks for, yes, for, uh, for, for those recommendations. And, right. and I would like to talk about uh, the thing that is buzzword, I, I, I think right now, which is organic traffic, uh, uh -huh. because it is something that all marketers crave for right now, especially when yeah. we see all those 
changes on Facebook and oh, Instagram. Yes. So yeah, and <laughs> other platforms as well. Um, so um, how can we boost our presence organically with visual content? Oh, look, it's a tough one. And I think, yeah, the reality is hitting home that organic traffic is hard to get uh, on Facebook and they really are pushing um, paid traffic for, you know, important content. However, I do think there are some things that brands can do that are still working. Uh, you know, who knows, it may get to the point where we can only pay pay for traffic, pay for our content to be seen. But at the moment, I think these are some things that are still working. So you can... Uh, Firstly, just start by creating engaging, entertaining, interesting content, you know, that's that's useful to your audience uh, and that's that's kind of a no-brainer on any platform. It's really important that you post content that's the kind of content that they like consuming on the platform. They don't come to Facebook or Instagram to go and look up all their favorite brands, but they are looking to be in, entertained or to hang out with their friends or to to uh, be inspired and all of, all of those other things and, and helped, helped with their challenges, I guess. The other thing that you can definitely do is uh, to create videos of all types on, on any of the platforms. It's working everywhere at the moment. So especially on Facebook where they really are giving more reach uh, to video. So shorter video, even longer video, live video especially, any type of video uh, will help you get more organic reach and traffic right now. And uh, you don't have to be in front of the camera if you're not confident with that. You, you can take us on a tour. You can do a screencast. There's many different ways that you can create videos. So uh, don't sort of shy away from that if, if it's not your thing to be on camera. There's a lot of ways you can do it without being on camera. Um, the next uh, one is, uh, let me think, oh, look, look for content that's already being shared really well like that's already popular uh, especially visual content so if you see an article that's being shared a lot um, from a major you know it might be something like BuzzFeed or um, Mashable or somewhere like that then then share that with your audience if, if it's already getting some traction on Facebook Facebook is more likely to give it some um, action on your page as well so I'm finding that really works um, on my page and I've seen it work with others as well. So, and, and also it's useful content and entertaining. So that's why it works. Um, the other thing is to um, just really focus back on your website a bit. You know, don't just post on, don't just focus on social media, but look at your own, you know, your own property. Your website is, is still owned by you. It's not really affected by algorithms as much if, despite Google uh, other than Google. So so try to uh, make sure you have really good visual content on every page of your website that's important so that if someone's coming to your website, they've got some way of sharing visual content to Pinterest um, and it's it's engaging and it catches them catches their attention. So, I mean, I can't even explain how many really popular websites I've been to lately and I see a great blog post and I want to share it and there's really no good visuals on there. And so if I want to share it to Pinterest, it's just sometimes I, I don't even bother. So um, it doesn't take much to do like a tall image or, or even a Facebook optimized image for, for sharing. So I think, I think there's some main ways that you can, you can sort of still get some organic reach. And I think, you know, it's important to maybe look at boosting or setting some Facebook ads as well if you're on Facebook. I think the reality is that we have to sort of consider that these days. 
Okay, and I have one question about uh, graphics that we post on Facebook, uh, because recently I've heard that graphics that uh, that w- when we see human face on those graphic have bigger yes. traffic, bring bigger traffic than any other graphic. Is that true in your opinion? Did you uh, see the same change when there's a face on the graphic or when there's not? I think, yeah, my general impression is that that is true. I think it, you have to test with your audience. It depends on the audience. I remember uh, Amy Porterfield saying a while ago that she was finding that with ads actually and ads are often a good indication of what's working and not working because, you know, it's it's sort of testing against audiences and she was saying that if she was promoting her web webinar to a warm audience, that the audience that that knows her she'll put a face on it but if she's promoting it to or put a photo of her on it but if she's promoting it to a sort of a cold audience that doesn't know her yet then it's not it doesn't seem as important you can sort of have a photo of a laptop or something else that's not necessarily uh her face so i think i think with anything you know it's important to test it and see what works but um you know sometimes it's the color of the image or how bright it is or or how um eye-catching it is and, and there's a few things that are really interesting at the moment like if you look at video on Facebook we are actually accustomed to not playing videos because you know we're on the train or we're you know in a well hopefully you're not in a meeting but you know if it's if it's a boring meeting possibly <laughs> you know people are looking at their their phones and scrolling and they're not switching on the sound for videos. And I think it was Animoto that found that about 85% of video is watched with the sound off. So some of those things you need to consider and having captions on your on your videos. So, yeah, I think I think you, it's experimenting with things like faces and captions and all of that stuff and seeing what works. Yeah, testing can save us. Uh, so we need to verify something that you mentioned at the beginning of this interview, right? That we need to... Uh, all the time verify uh, what FX brings our work. Yes. Mm, and um, we say that uh, importance of visual content will be growing and will represent around 75% uh, of all internet traffic. And I bet, bet uh, this is the last moment for creating our marketing or communication uh, or PR strategy uh, that will align to that insight. So uh, if I want to start and I know know nothing where should i start i think you know really deciding where your core content's going to be and, and usually it's related to your website so if you've got a website with a blog or a podcast like in my case my blog has been really successful in other you know it might be that you're doing a, pe- a podcast or even a, a, a video show but just making sure that you have good visuals on your main pages or posts of your website and uh so that people can share and and also it catches attention as well the other thing uh, I I think I mentioned earlier was surveying your audience so just finding out what their challenges are what type of content they enjoy consuming on social media and if you can get some of that information then it really does make it easier to know what to post and then when you do create content just sort of really looking at what's working and and what's resonating with them Uh, and you can survey your audience in many ways if you've got an email list you know just asking them It might be that you even use things – there's lots of really cool polls you can do now. You can do Instagram story polls or you can, you know, do a, a poll on Facebook or Twitter or you can maybe use someone else's audience if they're willing to ask the question for you. So there's there's lots of different ways that you can do that. Um, I think if you Google 
Uh, my blog, Socially Sorted, and Survey Your Audience. It, uh, there's a post that should come up uh, pretty pretty high, and I'll, I'll leave a link for you. But I think I've got about 19 different ways that you can survey your audience. So even if you're starting out, like you say, it's possible. Uh, the other thing that you can do is uh, just maybe look at what uh, what your competitors are posting and the profiles and pages that um, you know that they are that they're they're posting on and what's resonating with the audience that likes them. You know, if it's a similar audience to what you'll be uh, trying to target, and definitely, as I said before, creating more video and and more video content of all types if you you know if you can. And, uh, yeah, and just really trying to post content that's engaging, you know, ask for engagement, ask questions, um, you know, ask people to post their responses and, and, they, and uh, you know, our audience does generally like to feel involved. So uh, don't forget to sort of involve them as much as you can. Hopefully those, yeah, those things should get you started. <laughs> uh, so you say that people want to be engaged and uh, this is, Good because it's uh, opening to my next question. Uh, <laughs> as as long as we're talking about uh, content created by our customers or our clients or our audience, which is user generated content, uh, and why is so important for for the brands to create such? Sure. So, user generated content is just what it sounds like. It's content generated by your users or your audience and. It's really about your community sharing content around a particular topic and if that's around your brand or your product or your message, it can be very, very powerful. So it's huge in the tourism industry. It's becoming huge on sites like Instagram. You know, you see um, big brands like Airbnb or uh, Xero. Um, just trying to think. There's, there's a whole bunch of brands that are now using user-generated content. Um So even though we might think of ourselves as being the storytellers, the real power is is sort of encouraging and handing a story over to your audience and empowering them to tell that story. And no matter what we've, you know, no matter what content we create, we can never create as much, we can never be as prolific or create stories that are as powerful as those that our audience can create. So uh, I think it's just really, it's a really great way to tap into content and it really helps you to uh have a lot of content to share without the time taken to create it. So I think another great example of user-generated content building a, a big community is Later, who's the um, – they're an Instagram app. So it's L-A-T-E-R, later.com. Uh, as I said, Airbnb is also another really successful um, account that's just built purely on uh, user-generated content. And uh, Australia.com, the Australian – Uh, Facebook page and Instagram account. They they were the first one of the first tourism uh, organizations to really turn everything over to their audience and share their content. Uh, there's one thing though that's really important with user generated content, and that's to uh, get permission. So um, I can share a couple of ways to do that if if you want. Yeah, sure. So one way is to, I mean, the the most basic way is just to ask permission in some written form. So. Uh, leave a comment on an Instagram post and ask for, for permission to share. It's it is common for people to use hashtags, you know, use this hashtag and will and give us permission to share your content. But I think it's always better to get that direct 
permission. Uh, you can also use a direct message or an email. But there are tools out there now that you can use to get permission. And a lot of them are enterprise-level tools, so they can be quite expensive. But one that I have found that's really great and pretty affordable for most brands is called TAC, uh, T-A-C-K, and it's foundontac.com. And uh, it allows you to uh, organize your rights permission. So it allows you to, um, you know, uh, leave comments and ask for permission using a, a terms and conditions uh, under a specific hashtag that they respond to and then it keeps rec- a record of that permission in case they ever delete the photo and it's just a really cool little app. It's, it's a website um, app that you can use to uh, to get permission for user-generated content and, and really start using more of it on your account. So definitely worth checking out. I think it's very cool that you emphasize the value of uh, asking for permission uh, because yes. I, I think it's very tempting when you see that someone is sharing content with our product or with our brand or whatever it's connected to, yep. to our work, yeah? But uh, yeah. so we need to, to ask, even if someone is bragging, uh, we need to ask for permission. Yeah, so yes. it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's super important. Mm, so my last question today would be uh, not maybe related to visual content, or maybe it is, because it's a question uh-huh. about one book that you'd like to recommend. Oh, tough. I was. I know you mentioned you might ask this, and I was looking at my bookshelf going, oh, my goodness, it's always the hardest question to answer <laughs> because I, I've got so many that I love. But I, I have to go with the one that I'm reading at the moment. Uh, I, I was speaking at Content Marketing World in uh, September, and uh, I'm reading Killing, Mar- Mar- sorry, Killing Marketing by Joe Polizzi and uh, Robert Rose. And it's all about how marketing has changed and how uh, smart brands are turning content marketing into profit centers. So it's sort of like, it's sort of taking content marketing to the next level where it essentially pays for itself and actually starts generating revenue uh, on its on its own, not just sort of directing people to other kinds of revenue, revenue if that makes sense. I, I, won't, I won't say too much, but if you're involved in marketing, then it's a really great book. Um, you know, it's it's really about sort of that whole transition from earned media and the old style of marketing to uh, owning our media. And and that can even be someone with a blog. It doesn't have to be a big brand like Red Bull or all the, or, or all the uh, brands that we know that have media centers. Um, and it's a fascinating book. They really do break it down really well. So I think it's, yeah, that's what I'm reading at the moment and uh, really enjoying it. Cool. I'm sure that all books written by Joe are just great. Yeah. Uh, but yes. I, th- I think it's possible to add as, as many books as you'd like in the show notes of this podcast to, uh, to point okay. out what it's worth to, to read uh, and get to yep. know. Um, so, uh, sure. Donna, thank you. Thank you very much for this juicy interview. You shared a lot of insights, very useful insights and, and tools that we can use. Uh, so I think it's really worth for all marketers uh, and content managers to listen to what you say and what you uh, write, not only here, but also on your blog. Uh, so I for sure add the, the, the link to your blog. So again, thank you sure. very much for, for your time and hope to see you on Social Media Marketing World. I will. Thanks, Magdalena. I will see you there next year. And it's been a pleasure to talk to you all the way between Australia and Poland, which is pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for that. Bye-bye.